So, Rechard, what uh, what wonderful beer are you drinking today? Mm. Okay, I'm going to tease you with one first, but this is this is not a daytime podcast uh, drinking beer. This for sure. And if you can check that out, peppermint beer, peppermint crisp tart. So this is a collaboration with Devil's Peak and Cause Effect. Yeah, but it, this is an eleven percent beer. It's not. Oh, uh, that's the same yeah, it's beautiful. I've wine. had this on tap. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> like a barley wine almost. Yeah, and peppermint but again you know, sounds disgusting. Uh, well, peppermint crisp tart. So it's kind of you no, know, it's a dessert tasting beer. I mean, it doesn't okay. taste like a peppermint crisp. Uh, Chocolate. Dessert straight up. I mean, yeah. it's not a chocolate or anything. Mm. So, mm. You know, it's just the flavors. It's in, it's the way it enhanced flavor. Yeah. yeah. This is the one I'm having now. Again, you know, Tiny Keg is doing these amazing little cans. Juicy Lucy. This is a Juicy Lucy collaboration. Uh, it was a collaboration. It's now uh, just a Devil's Speak regular, New England IPA. But as you – let me pause. We'll, we'll make yeah, this very dramatic. Do. Look yeah. at that. So this is a cloudy IPA. It's a lovely color. Um, and it's essentially like a fruity beer. If you don't know what the IPA is, it's a very nice fruity high hop beer. And this one is just beautifully unfiltered, so they, uh, as mm. I say. It reminds me of Bone good. Crusher in terms of its consistency and its color. Yeah, kind of. Bone Crusher is a vice, though. Yeah. So it's got that look and feel. So. Um, very delicious, though. Delicious. Mm. Mm. What does it taste like? Mm, fruity. So it's a very fruity, you get like florals of maybe a little bit of citrusy notes in there. Mm-hmm. Um, what else is in there? Definitely fruity notes, but it's, you know, the hoppiness and the hops flavor is also underlying this. You get a little bit of bitterness. Yeah. Well, I've poured, my, I've, poured, <laughs> it's really good. I've poured myself something I haven't had in ages, and that's a Southern Comfort on the Rocks, which is really nice. Soco. Don't you love that sound? <laughs> <laughs> the old classic whiskey glass yeah. tumbler sound. Yeah. Well, it says Glenmorangie on it, but uh, it's, uh, it's got US-style bourbon in it. Um, but Southern Comfort's got such a unique taste. Yeah, it is a very sweet mm. drink, though. Mm. It's the cause of many a headache from my can't have, You can't have too past. much of it, no. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. But there is another thing you should try, and, uh, and uh, I've got a bottle saved up, but uh, mead is definitely something worth checking out. What is mead? Um, honey fermented beer. So this is the old nectar of the gods, you know, Game of Thrones style. That's what they drink. You know, that's what the kings drink. And it's okay. d- absolutely delicious. Um, you can actually check this. Uh, uh, is it a kind of, so it's a beer. It's, um, it's a beer. Yeah, yeah. Look, it looks like a, there's a few, uh, few styles. There's only one or two guys making South Africa at the moment, but there's a mm-hmm. few styles. So there's a more authentic one that kind of looks more like a beer. Yeah. And then the other one, which is a little fancier, the, um, uh, Meloria, you can get it on Yappy Chef, and that's mm-hmm. more like a champagne-looking bottle, but it's like a golden nectar-looking drink. Yeah. But it is beyond delicious. Very much like a Prosecco, but not. It's a beer. It's a honey-fermented beer. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, it's going to be big. Uh, it's it's delicious, absolutely. But, yeah, not it's not a New England IPA. No. We, need, we need to compare notes before the show, so we've got the same stuff on our desks here. So we... Uh I'll send you a care package every Friday. How's that? That sounds brilliant. <laughs> I'll even swing over there and pick it up. How's that? <laughs> yeah, we'll have to have a sample session on the Friday just to have pre-note discussion and then on the Sunday at mm. least be. Sounds like a plan. Sounds like a good plan, actually. Friday 12 o'clock, you'll have your beer. Right. Shall we, uh, shall we stop talking about beer and start talking about tech? Uh, let's let's get it. this show on the road. I'm Duncan McLeod. And I'm Richard van Berg. And this is Talk Central, episode 264 for the week starting 23 June 2019. 
Talk Central is brought to you by Tech Central. Join our YouTube channel, YouTube stream live on Sundays from 1 p.m. And please hit that subscribe button. On Talk Central this week, massive retrenchments hit multi-choice. Also the sh- on the show this week, Nash Paris gives birth to Protus, Bitcoin goes ballistic, Facebook launches Libra, and Cyril has a dream. It's Sunday afternoon. We are live streaming on YouTube, and it's time to talk everything technology. When life gets harder, you get smarter. You don't mission, you level up like a boss. Connect Vox Fiber to your home, starting from 554 Rand per month. Level up your experience with Airtime's Wi-Fi boosters, Vobi Voice app calling, Office 365, and over 160 other products to enhance your lifestyle. Live smart, level up with Vox. Visit vox.co.za to view our range. T's and C's apply. Welcome to the show. How are you doing, Richard? How's it, Duncan? Good, good, good. Um, so let's dive straight in and do our quiz, shall we? Certainly. First question How many people may lose their jobs at MultiChoice, the paid TV operator, uh, this week? Said this week. And which South African technology company has invested uh, 10 million US dollars to become a founding member of Facebook's Libra project? Third question EOH this week appointed three new non execs to its board. Name one of them. Naspash Foundry has acquired a stake in which South African tech startup for 30 million rand? And the final question, Vodacom has sold its Vodacom business operations in Nigeria, Zambia, and the Ivory Coast to which company? As always, answers to the quiz at the end of the show. But uh, it was a short week this week, Rehat. Um Monday was a holiday, thanks to Sunday being Youth Day. Um, but somehow in those four days, uh, more happened in the tech world than uh, normally happens in two or three weeks. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's uh, a lot of ground to cover today, so let's um, let's dive in. And uh, I, th- I think the big local news this week was uh, the, the news that MultiChoice is um, looking to potentially retrench as many as 2,194 people. Um, that's a significant number. I'm not sure how mm. many they employ in total, but um, uh, the uh, this is going to affect their call center operations and their walk-in centers. They say that um, customers are increasingly using digital self-service channels, which is not surprising, mm-hmm. um, and preferring not to walk into customer service centers or to use the call center, which I recall, um, I haven't used it in a long time, but I recall that multi-choice contact center was always a bit lousy. It took forever for them to answer the phones and not the most pleasant experience. Mm-hmm. Um, so, But always sad when so many people are losing their jobs, especially in, in this economy. Um, and uh, this is a very real case of technology stealing jobs. Yeah, sadly. I mean, I guess the other repercussions of just the way broadcast and streaming TV is going, you know, there's the the forward, if you're looking forward to this business, you know, you need to yeah. kind of plan ahead. And that's also a big a big part of this, I think. You know, you yeah. know they're not going to be making as much money. And they, they I think they need to, yeah. Uh, rain, raining the spending a bit. They do have a massive, beautifully uh, big head office there in Randburg, right? Just, so just built, yeah. Somebody needs to pay the somebody needs to pay those uh, <laughs> the rent, I guess. Yeah. But in all seriousness, um, I wouldn't be surprised if we see more of this. Sadly, um, mm-hmm. you know, as with technology, more can be done with less people, probably more efficiently too. Unfortunately, as, as we've seen. Yes. So yeah, I mean, never good. But I, I guess you know, we just need to you know 
if they're going to be spin-off industries, spur on other industries. I mean, you know, mm-hmm. jobs jobs need to be made in another many other ways if, if yeah. we're going to go down that conversation. Yeah, it's it's uh, the creative destruction of capitalism, I suppose. And um, at, le- at least, as someone pointed out to me this week, at least they're, they're um, right-sizing, I hate that term, at least they're making the cuts now when they need to make them rather than yeah. doing what an ESCOM or another state-owned enterprise would do, just carry on employing them and get yourself, run yourself into all sorts of serious trouble. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you need to keep a close eye on that, right? And. Uh, Running an operation like that certainly can't be uh, can't be cheap by any means, um, and you know I, I can't recall what the numbers were exactly, but they don't seem they don't seem to be you know doing as great as what they should be doing at least. Mm. In their, in their Not at the premium segment. Their their numbers on the premium segment were quite weak actually. Um, they didn't disclose actual numbers, but uh, mm. I spoke to the the CFO Tim, Tim Jacobs this last week, and and he said that um, while they're doing still doing well in the compact and, and the cheaper bouquets, the mass market bouquets as they call them, um, at the premium segment they lost slightly more customers than they lost in the last financial year. Last financial year was forty thousand, mm. so I would guess it's probably in the fifty thousand sort of range a customer loss in DSTV premium. Um, and I think they've got a serious problem at that premium end of the market. And Calvin Moella, in the statement that they issued this week on the retrenchments, admitted that um, they're, they're feeling the competition from what they call the OTT players. Um, uh, well, I wish they wouldn't call them OTT players. It's such a, uh, just call them streaming rivals or something like that. But um, yeah. Netflix and the like are, um, are starting to hurt them. Oh yeah, for sure. Uh, and and we, you know, the the moves they've been making with Showmax and the sports, I think, is 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 a good sign. But it was very interesting that you know that they are losing. Um, obviously, they're losing more on the higher end packages because people are trying to uh, rein in their spending. Yeah. But it also shows that you know people don't need a million channels to be happy, right? I mean, mm. you know, we just need good quality content. I would also assume that a lot of those lower um, end satellite subscriptions are to people that cannot get perhaps other signal, you know, in rural mm. areas where um, a, a normal terrestrial aerial just won't cut it. Yes. Um, so, you know, there's a bit of that too. Yes. But yeah, for, for I guess for, for where the spending power is, or at least where their advertisers are trying to reach, you know, mm-hmm. that audience, their t- target audience, we've got a lot of choice now. Mm. Um, and many people, many people, myself included, many years ago cut the cord already. Yeah. And I don't miss anything. Yeah. You know, watch the sports somewhere, that's really not a, that's really not a problem. Mm. Um, but something is going to start changing. Needs to start changing quite a bit more drastically, I think. You know, because these numbers are going to start swaying a lot more. I mm. think because we're just going to get better services, right? In- indeed. Uh, what's What's really interesting is that MultiChoice has now lo- launched uh, live streaming sport on Showmax, which is an, a very interesting development. Mm. Um, they're showing the ICC um, Cricket World Cup games on there. Although the way South Africa has apparently been performing, because I don't, I don't watch cricket, but apparently the way they've been performing has been absolutely atrocious. Um, yeah. And um, they're also going to be showing the AFCON um, Bafana Bafana uh, games. Um, so, I, and I think we're going to see more of that. Um, obviously, they're going to be very careful about um, not eating too much into that um, subscription revenue oh. they get through SuperSport oh. on the traditional side of the business. Um, but increasingly, I think they realise that they're going to have to. Um, they're going to have to really start to bulk up that uh, Showmax side of the business. Um, you know, even though it costs only 99 rand a month currently, um, because those big uh, streaming guys like Netflix and um, and Amazon are going to be bidding for sports rights in the not too distant mm. future, I, I reckon. And I would wager a bit that they have equally deep pockets, probably deeper pockets. Um, mm. 
for those rights, you know, and at the end of the day, that's what matters, right? Who's going to pay for the most for those rights? Isn't that mm. what it all comes down to? Yeah. I think, you know, the Showmax strategy partly is a good one f- from my point of view in that if somebody is leaving the STV completely, they're more likely to then still subscribe to Showmax to get some of that content like I do. So, I mean, mm. I'm a Showmax customer. I don't have DSTV. But I do enjoy some of the stuff that's on there. So mm. I guess for them, rather retain that and potentially getting a, a sport-loving yeah. customer on that for now, yeah. um, move down to a cheaper package. So they're catering to what's not on the DSTV basic package in a way mm-hmm. um, when it comes to the sport potentially. I don't know. Yeah. Um, it, it, yeah. I mean, get those guys and then hopefully eventually have a, a sports offering, mm. sports-only offering. Yeah. Um, Martin in the comments room, a comment room says, uh, good day, mate. Greetings from down under. Uh, how's it, Martin? <laughs> how's, it, how's it looking tomorrow or yesterday? Sorry? No, I'm uh, talking about the time difference. How's it looking? <laughs> how's it looking? I don't know. Here? It must be, uh, must be about 8, eight 9 p.m. in the evening in, in Australia. Uh, Martin says, must be Steve Hoffmeyer causing the, <laughs> the subscriber fall off. <laughs> I don't know about that, Martin, but uh, um, maybe it had some impact. Um, but uh, Martin, tell us what what are, what are uh, subscription TV services like in Australia? Obviously, you've got Netflix and Amazon down there, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, but um, what's the equivalent of um, of DSTV in Australia? Is it Sky? I'm not sure. Um, and what are their prices like if you want to buy, a, for example, a premium bouquet with sports options attached to it? Um, can you buy the sports separately? I'd be quite keen to know. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, difficult times at multi-choice. And I suppose it was inevitable as the competition finally arrived. Because DSTV has effectively been a monopoly in paid television in South Africa for many, many years. And now they're getting a run for their money. And uh, competition's always good. Obviously, job cuts hurt. Mm-hmm. Um, and you don't want to see them. But um, if those skills are good, they'll get re-employed. Yeah, look, and, and technology has been doing this for a long time. This is nothing yeah, really yeah. new, right? Yeah, um, it, it is up to the business to make the right decision if they're going to plan ahead, knowing mm. what, what is going to happen. Mm. But yeah. Uh, Martin says it's Martin from the future. <laughs> <laughs> so what, yes. What's happening in Carte Blanche tonight? Let us <laughs> I guess, know. I guess that yeah, means you and I Richard, are living in the past. Um, or maybe you can give us some Bitcoin info. I don't know what's happening in Bitcoin in Australia. On to the few hours ahead. Yes. <laughs> give us tips, Martin. We can uh, we can trade on it. <laughs> right. Um, what else do we need to talk about? Naspash. So um, they, of course, spun out multi-choice not long ago. Um, mm. And uh, so some people might argue that they saw the writing on the wall and decided they were going to exit while the going was still relatively good. Um, I do think that multi-choice still has um, a strong business, um, even though they're under pressure at the top end of the market. They're growing very strongly at um, at the lower end. And the African market, the broader African market outside of South Africa, where broadband is really underdeveloped, um, I think there's a huge untapped potential that they can potentially uh, tap into still. So don't discount multi-choice. I think, they, uh, I think there's still a lot of legs on that business, even in the legacy satellite broadcast side of it. Yeah, for sure. But I, yeah, we know they need to innovate more, mm. or at least I, I guess the technology is there. It's just we want to see those licenses that uh, we want to watch. And I think sport is the biggest contender. So it's making, I guess, making all the right moves, not losing yeah. all those customers. I yeah. don't know. It's a tricky business. But um, yeah, if, if anybody can do it in South Africa, and and the, 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 the competitors have certainly shown them that there is a market of people desperate for online streaming, yes. um, online streaming content. Yeah. 
Richelle in the um, in the comments says there's also an influx of Android TV boxes that have hit the South African market. That's that's also very true. Very cheap. Very uh, point, some of them yeah. some of them very nasty, cheap and nasty mm-hmm. Android boxes, but they're out there and uh, and people are using them to consume consume services. And we we should also not forget that. Um, uh, that that um, video services are not only being delivered by the big international giants, but South African companies as well. CLC has Black, although I don't think it's doing terribly well, mm-hmm. certainly not from a financial perspective. And then Vodacom has Video Play, which is more aimed at um, smartphones and perhaps tablets. Um, but that's doing incredibly well. I think they've got over a million downloads of that service since launch. Have you used that at all? I mean, I'm not I haven't. too familiar with it. It's, I'm not. But I guess that the content is also... I mean, it's limited limited to to a, to a few things, right? It's more it's more aimed at at smartphone users. I don't think it's meant as a lean back experience, whereas Netflix mm. is. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, so Netflix, I think, is more of a direct competitor to the traditional DSTV. But let's not forget, a lot of people are consuming content on on their phones. They um, you know they're watching video on on public transport. They even when they're in the home, they're consuming. And a lot of uh, people in in high LSM groups are also doing that. They're watching Netflix on tablets and phones, not necessarily yeah. on TVs. I'm watching a surprising amount of stuff on my phone still. I mean, the, mm. the screen size obviously is not a good good space where you can actually enjoy it. You know, if you prop up making dinner, for example, propping up other YouTube video or something to build yeah. a background, mm. it, it's much it's much more effortless and it, you know, it's a better experience. Um, yeah, I was going to say something else, and I completely lost my train of thought uh, on the whole multi-choice thing. With oh, I've 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 also recently rediscovered that a lot of people are still downloading content. A lot of people are still going on sites, um, downloading movies and series, mm. and then just putting it onto their devices. Uh, yes, I'm not saying it's a majority, but you know, having having heard what some of the new sites are, and just having to go and look at it, I don't need to download anything. Everything is available to me on streaming that I want to watch. Yeah, um, you get fiber at home, so yeah, you know, exactly. You just do it on demand. But a lot of guys, uh, and I, I have seen this: people go to work where there's a corporate Wi-Fi connection, and they use that Wi-Fi connection to, you know, they might have a Netflix subscription, and they download it to their device and they watch it in the okay. evening. Yeah, let's not forget you can use a couple of people. There's a couple of users on Netflix that you can have. Um, so. Um, I guess people are sharing accounts. Mm. Well, the other thing I'm interested in, we were talking about sports as we always do when it comes to this type of thing. I do know there's a few international services that you can subscribe to that actually that actually streams. Obviously, these aren't legal streams. They pick it up somewhere yeah. else yeah, and rebroadcast it. But um, you know, you know, I'm sure these things are still running. There's, there's people that subscribe to them too, or at least the more tech-savvy uh, users. Yeah, as Rachel points out, that's also what you you get with these some of these Android boxes. Uh, he says I'm still a DSTV Premium subscriber, but I can see the attraction of a once-off cost to stream almost any content. In brackets, legality aside. Um, yeah, I mean those things change like torrents, right? Mm, I mean, yeah. there was a time that I, I hunted out those streams because I didn't have any other access to it. You know, I didn't want to go yeah. out and do. And there were a few floating around. They're not reliable at, at the best of times. I've, you know, for a few games there were some good ones, but. You know, again, it's not the quality that you're expecting. I would much rather pay for that service, but there mm. isn't that option, right? It's yeah. a grand or nothing, really, or 800 grand or nothing. Yeah. But now that money all goes to beer, unfortunately for you. <laughs> <laughs> At the pub, of course, over the course of the rugby season, I must add. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> and, uh, what is that, what is that in, that, in that bottle you showed me uh, off, just off screen just now? Show, show, show us. Oh, this, is a paper, this is a paperweight now, but made by a friend of mine. This is... Uh, Good old moonshine or Vitblitz, yeah. uh, apple fla- apple flavored one. 
Oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> Prettier like than me. <laughs> no, 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 no. That's, I use it to clean the sinks with. <laughs> and the drains. <laughs> clean your own drains when you drink. <laughs> it's actually, it's, it's, it's got such a high alcohol content, I can clean electronics with it. You just yeah. douse it in there and it, it dries off very quickly. Just don't get it too near to an open flame. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. Anyway, we, oh, digress. Like I said, it's a yeah. we digress. Let's talk about uh, Naspash and um, Protus. Mm. Um, Protus. What do you think of the name Protus, Richard? Oh, it's very ancient sounding. But it's, it's like an evil, evil corporation sounding name. <laughs> Maybe that's what they went for, yeah. <laughs> so um, they're, they're spinning off their international assets, including all their, basically all their cons- international consumer businesses into, um, into this new business, which is going to list on Euronext Amsterdam. And it's all part of Naspash's grand plan to unlock value for Naspash shareholders. And, of course, Naspash um, shares are trading at something like a 30 or even 40% at sometimes discount to the value of their 31% stake in China's Tencent, which is one of the biggest consumer internet companies in the world. Um, and this is all about hopefully narrowing that discount. Um, so they wanted a new name for this company. Um, it was called Nuco for several months, and they finally announced in their results this week that they're going to be calling it, after going through hundreds of potential options, um, they're going to call it Protus. Um, which is Latin apparently for going forwards or just forwards. Um, I don't know. It's, and there wasn't really any cool African language word that would do it better. Yeah, maybe that's not what they wanted to go for. This is yeah, international. more international. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, still, I mean, it's such a big part of the South African, you know, it's, yeah. it's heritage. That it would have been it nice is. to at least retain that in the international yeah. stage. So this this company is expected to have a market capitalization of over one hundred billion dollars. It's about 1.4 trillion rand, uh, just to give you a perspective of the scale of this thing. Um, but when I saw Protus, I thought, you know, it's kind of, I don't know, it kind of made me think of Presonus, I don't know why, uh, the um, audio company, audio hardware company, which makes great products. Um, yeah, I thought in, I think in 2019, Pro- Protus sounds very 80s or 90s, you know, it's not mm. maybe even early 2000s, you know, you're trying to sound futuristic back in the day. Yeah. Uh, no, yeah. doesn't really matter, I guess. Maybe not, but um, mm. these are supposed to be a bunch of creatives after all. Yeah. <laughs> I suppose it's difficult because this company operates in, in how many markets around the world? Um, they're going to have to register the uh, trademarks in, in dozens and dozens of countries and probably try and secure the um, domain internet domain names as well. So it can't be easy. You can't come up with some regular term that someone you know someone will have paid will have trademarked it or they would have um they would mm-hmm. have registered the internet domains and protus yeah i guess uh you know not too many internet domains registered under protus i wonder if they've registered the dot com yet if not i think quickly, <laughs> quickly cyber squat <laughs> go for it go for it i'm sure they would have looked at that i'm sure they've done that yeah uh, they, they would have done all of that before they there, there is a very nice kick in finding a domain name still today that's got a really mm. cool short yeah. something. I do yeah. like to buy one or two uh, every year when yeah. I come across them. It's pretty much impossible to get a four-letter um, .com name now. Mm-hmm. They're pretty much gone. If you do want one, you're going to have to pay someone. Yeah, but a lot of the, lot of the squatting companies also sit on them and just push up the prices. It's yeah. not worth it. Yeah, for sure. I'm all for the IP address. So I think that's the new, the new DNS. Just give out the proper server IP address. No one's going to remember that. Though. That's the problem. <laughs> Unless you've got, Who cares, like, man, it's retro. Uh, unless it's unless it's like Google's um, 
8.8.8.8, which you obviously can't Oh, yeah, that's, a, that's beautiful. Um, but, I mean, you, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. We digress so, even more. So Martin's replied from Australia about uh, the, the TV options there. He says uh, 7 plus 9 now and 10 are the free channels here, Netflix and Stan are huge streaming services. Never heard of Stan. Stan. Uh, most people stream over national broadband network NBN. Uh, Foxtel is the DSTV alternative here. Of course, Foxtel, Rupert Murdoch. Uh, not seeing lots of satellite providers here. Um, mm. I mean, Sydney. Yeah, I'm sure over. broadband isn't a problem there. Yeah. Well, they, they built that hugely controversial national broadband network at huge cost, government-led thing, which uh, we looked at doing potentially at one at one point. Thankfully, we gave up on that idea. But it's um, it was a bit of a mess, if I can recall, mm. and, and very controversial in that they created this sort of government infrastructure rather than allowing it to, to the private sector. Um, but, uh, Australia also isn't known for being the most uh, open and liberal, right? Am I right in saying that? I mean, they very much... No. Video games, <laughs> high violence video games, and, and shows and that kind of thing. Yeah, they've got a lot of regulation there, and I've heard people say that it's a bit of police state. Um, uh, for example, you just don't drink and drive if you go there, which is a good thing. Which is a good thing, yeah. Yeah, um, and if you and do, again, they do have the infrastructure to allow you to get around, so yeah, it can be hard on it. Yeah. Right, Bitcoin, as he says, uh, looking over to his um, stream deck. One thousand, no, ten thousand six hundred and fifty-one dollars. Um, sure. On Friday night, it ramped through. Uh, not only ramped through ten thousand, and then the next morning it went straight through eleven thousand dollars. I think it peaked at around eleven three, um, and it's come back slightly, but it's still trading above ten thousand dollars. Incredible run. It's um, it's it's doing incredibly well. I wouldn't be surprised to see this thing back back at twenty thousand dollars by next year, maybe maybe even this year. Mm. Um, and it's being driven. It seems. Um, well, no one, no one actually really knows, but it seems to be being driven by uh, all the positive sentiment uh, coming out of Facebook's Libra. Um, uh, and I say Facebook's Libra, but it's actually, while it's an idea that was come up, that was invented by or, or um, uh, created by Facebook, it, um, it's got a, a number of backers from around the world, including South Africa's Nasbash, by the way, mm. um, through their pay you subsidiary. Um, each of these backers are, are joining a consortium. I think it's called the Libra Foundation. Uh, and uh, they had to stump up 10 million US dollars each uh, to be a founding member or founding partner in this uh, in this foundation, the Libra Foundation. Um, so uh, it's certainly not chump change, and you have to be pretty serious if you if you're going to invest in this. Now, I actually had a, a good chat with um, Bob Van Dyke, who's the group CEO of Nicebat, on Friday evening. And I'm planning to post that story on Tech Central a bit later today about why exactly why Nicebat. Uh, has decided to back Libra, so look out for that piece. But um, I, I think it's it, I think it's a significant development. I think um, I think in some respects, reading the media coverage, I think it's been a bit underplayed. Um, this has the potential to take cryptocurrencies into the mainstream and do it very rapidly, especially given Facebook's two billion plus active users. Yeah, but I mean, Libra isn't straight up a cryptocurrency; is it? it's still backed on. National well, or currencies. Right? It's a so-called stable coin in a way. Um, it's mm. not like going to be like Tether, where it's exactly one to one, as I understand it. But it's going to be, it's going to drift within a, a few percentage points at most of the value of the 
um, sure, sure. the uh, fiat currency that or fiat currencies that they decide to peg it to. Uh, I don't know a huge amount yet, but apparently they're looking to potentially uh, not only peg it to the dollar, but to a whole basket of, of assets, of currencies, and possibly other things. Yeah, yeah. Um, there's going to be a bunch of things that's going to yeah. which, which I think is, I mean, if it's at this size, it's probably the only way to do it, because mm. otherwise it's going to be way too volatile. <laughs> Somebody's yeah. going to have to foot that bill, right? And, yeah. and if your value isn't there the next day, nobody's going to use it. Mm. Um, it's going to be very interesting to see how it is executed, especially with the international transfers. And up. It's probably going to be expensive if you think about it because yes. it's just spending money on your credit card is expensive. Now you mm-hmm. have to go to two or three institutions who's potentially going to be involved in getting the money to person X in country Y. Um, but the, if the technology is there and I can do it, then the model is set, right? And now we can mm-hmm. start using it and maybe there's competition, maybe not. But because it's Facebook, it's a little worrying. Um, yeah, it's um, that was my initial reaction as well. Do we trust this company? I mean, given all the data breaches and all the rest of the stuff, do we really want to be giving them insight into our financial lives? Um, but I think Facebook has been clever about it in that they're not the ones who are going to be controlling this. It's going to be done through this Libra Foundation, if that's what they're called. Mm-hmm. Um, and they've already got, I can't remember what the number is, um, two dozen or so, I think, um, founder members, and they're looking to get 100 on board Um by the end of this year or, or by the time they launch. Um, and no doubt these will also be big, evil corporations. Um, and, you know, they are. I mean, we've got companies like Uber Technologies, PayPal, uh, Naspash, um, uh, Spotify, I think, is involved. So there's a, there's, a, there's a lot of them. But they're all very big corporate listed, a lot of them listed entities. Mm-hmm. Um, but... I, I, I think that because it's not Facebook who's controlling this thing, you know, they just, are, they, well, they came up with the idea they're a participant and obviously they're going to be a, a meaningful participant in this and they're, they're developing this um, wallet called Calibre mm. or Calibra, sorry, um, that, and they're going to be rolling it out into their, their, their messaging apps. Um, but it's, it's, it's not at the end of the day going to be controlled alone by Facebook. They're going to be multiple corporations and sure. um, maybe I mean, the question then is, do we trust these major corporations that are participating in this? But maybe, given they're going to be so many big companies, they're going to keep each other in check. Yeah, let's hope. Let's hope the more the more people involved here makes uh, kind of uh, make yeah. sure that everybody is keeping an eye on everybody else. Um, but the thing is, Facebook is still the conduit, right? At the end of the day, that's still the that's still the way that the end users can interact with the system, right? Yeah. Yeah. Or the only way. It's not like you can go through PayPal and this. You will maybe be able to use PayPal in conjunction, but Facebook's intentions is certainly to keep people in that um, in the app or in the Messenger uh, app or in Facebook itself. Yeah, of course. And their track record with that part of their business hasn't been great. Mm. So I mean, and I'm th- just thinking out loud here, really. Sure. Waxing lyrical, but I mean, if if it's easy to get into your account or get into certain parts of it, or some things get data gets leaked, you know, money could potentially get transferred out of your wallet, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so security does play a big role. Of how you know, if if your PC is open and somebody can just go in, obviously they will address this with with biometrics on your phone and that type of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but we're talking about Facebook here and now their track record. But I do think it's a fantastic thing overall for for. for just technology and money in general. Um, yeah. How are we going to perceive it going forward? It, we, we know everything is going to be intertwined. Your health data eventually will end up with us too. Yeah. It's just how does how does how, how do we make sure that it doesn't get used maliciously mm. um, and that I don't get disqualified 
on my banking system because Facebook picks up that I go to this place or you know, I post all my beer pics and that type of thing. So, yeah. I mean, buy your beer with Libra in future. <laughs> but then they will know that I buy my beer. They will, yeah. My, yeah. Um, so Bitcoin rising on the back of this, uh, you know, the expectation it being that um, this Libra is going to make cryptocurrencies mainstream and therefore Bitcoin must benefit on the back of this. Um, it's an interesting argument to have. Uh, I don't know if that is is what will happen, um, because at the moment Bitcoin is not being used as a transactional currency at all. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's kind of like it's kind of like open source software versus sort of big um, proprietary software companies. You know, um, there's, there's a lot, been a lot of development. Bitcoin is kind of like the open source community. A lot of lot of spirited, in, uh, keen, interested people. A lot of um, passion in the community, and they've built this amazing thing called Bitcoin. Um, but, um, and similarly, we saw the same thing in, 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 in the Linux community, but I wonder if the whole thing is kind of going to be, um, superseded and taken over, um, by big corporates like proprietary software has become a huge business for companies like Microsoft and Oracle and Adobe and SAP. I wonder if we'll see something similar emerging in cryptocurrencies where, you know, Bitcoin will always be there and there'll be an enthusiastic community developing these coins. Um, but the real crypto business, the real money is going to be made um, by these perhaps more closed crypto ecosystems being created by the likes of Facebook. It's a very good question. It's a very scary thought, right? Because we have seen this happen with so many other industries, just not at the scale with something so new. And yeah. I, think it's, it's, I think it's very possible that, and this is exactly what we're seeing now, they want to take charge of this. Now, the benefit of this is that people would get used to Oh, this is crypto, but oh, okay, it's Facebook. I can use it now. I use it now. You're probably more likely to look at something else. That is a benefit of of this potentially. But again, they are so big. Does it really matter if if I mean, would it be easy for another competitor to come in if they hit all of their users, which is virtually everybody? Mm-hmm. I don't know, uh, and that's obviously what they're counting on. But uh, in some in some respects, they're they're emulating WeChat. Um, or mm. whatever it's called in China, QQ or no, WeChat uh, is Weishin. Yeah, yeah, and that's already being used for payments. So I'm, I'm not sure they use cryptocurrencies, but uh, I think it's all pegged to the Chinese currency. But mm. it is based on on on, on fiat currency. But um, I, I think Mark Zuckerberg has seen a huge opportunity to to emulate what what WeChat has successfully done in China. And and at, at the end of the day, that's what Zuckerberg does best, right? He um, he takes brilliant ideas from other people and he copies mm. them like he's done like he did with snap snapchat he just basically just took snapchat's best features and put them into instagram and into facebook um, and, then, and he's done it again and again and again so why not uh, why not copy wechat well exactly and then use kind of the best of the technologies because the, the real benefit and correct me if i'm wrong here the real benefit to using kind of a a, a blockchain based currency is um, is for the is to allow the technologies to better monitor these things, but also to make it easy to send money to various places. And eventually, yeah. you can probably undercut the, the kind of the banks because if yeah. I send a digital bit from my place from my wallet to your wallet, I can cut out everybody else. We just need to, for the regulation to change. Mm. And if you have a lot of companies lobbying for this in the US, which will undoubtedly happen now that we have a lot more companies involved, yeah, mm. well, that replication, that that kind of overflow effect to the rest of the world will is inevitably going to happen. If I was if I was one of these big providers of traditional international remittance services, I'd be in a flat panic right now. Oh yeah, oh yeah, and I think Africa is a massive market for yeah, that. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. 
Oh, yeah. A lot of cross-border money being sent uh, back and forth. A lot of interesting players we're seeing at the moment. Um, I'm, in, I'm working with a few, and I see some things on the inside, and it's, it's really interesting. Well, the, the space and the players, at least. A lot mm. of people are gunning for this way. Uh, you know, what, what's the e- easiest and quickest way to get money uh, across the border? Unfortunately, there's also a lot of charlatans, and it's yeah. expensive, potentially. Your money could get lost. Um, we, you need a big, stable system. We need to be backed on a big, stable system for this to work. I think Facebook's going to be a competition, for sure. Yeah. And, I mean, just in the – and the thing is, everyone's on WhatsApp. So you integrate a payment service into WhatsApp, and it changes the game because, um, you know, I need to send you some money quickly, Rechat. Um, You know, do I fire up my banking app? Oh, WhatsApp, yeah, I have 10 Rand. Yeah, and you, you literally just press a button and it sends yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It makes it makes the player a lot more. Uh, you can see where the, what they are thinking about. Mm. But thinking two steps ahead again, if they own that space, if they own um, most rands and cents, if I can put it like that, they own the small change, mm. little bits of money that people send around. I mean, I'm not, they're not going to take my salary because my bank will still handle that for the most part. For but now, there's a lot of people. With, well, for <laughs> now, yeah. But there's a lot of people with cash, well, in small amounts of salaries. Yeah. The question is, will you be paying your domestic with it? You know, will you be paying? Um, you know, random people with it, or is this where I would go to Gumtree and buy yeah. something that's give you three. remittances? Is, remittances is where I can see the big value initially being here. So, um, you know, we know we know that they're about. 4 million Zimbabweans living in South Africa. They've got family at home. They often need to send money home. Um, when they do that, they're, they're often getting ripped off by, um, by the, the providers of those services. Um, and in, in many instances, they give cash to people to take across the border and that sort of thing, which is very risky. So I think that um, it presume, as, as long as it comes in at a very good price uh, and it's easy to use, then, um, then it's going to be a no-brainer. People will just use WhatsApp or Messenger and send money that way. Yeah, WhatsApp, I think it's a big player. Yeah, WhatsApp is a very interesting player. It's huge. That, that's even, mm. I mean, yeah, you probably have more people on WhatsApp, right, than you have uh, Facebook. Definitely in South Africa, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, it's, it's, I, I think it's a game changer. I think it's an absolute game changer. What, what it means long term for Bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies, uh, I think that's less clear right now. Mm. I mean, the other things we're going to start seeing from this too, I mean, you're already logged into a lot of websites. I mean, I say you, but hypothetically speaking, a lot of people are logged into websites. You know, I you can't. <laughs> yeah. So now all of a sudden, you're into yeah. an e-commerce store. Yeah. Um, your details are there. You can pay. I mean, th- there's a lot of benefit to having like this cool integrated system. But mm. the problem with a lot of information and everything r- resting on one, uh, or one platform, so to speak, or mm. one provider let's just hope they can separate these things well enough um for that not to be an issue yeah but it's interesting very interesting times i look forward to seeing what, how money changes yeah it's launching next year for the first time i i see uh, purely as a result of this i was just dabbling in bitcoin before i thought oh, this is fun it's a nice speculative instrument and it's a way to have some fun and learn but uh, since this libra announcement i am now convinced that Crypto money, cryptocurrencies, in some form, digital money, if I can call it that, is going to change the world. Oh, yeah, I mean, coins are already dead without a doubt, um, and you can see it everywhere. We, I mean, we, you know, we kind of the the, the spearhead with the, you know the techies and the geeks who kind of mm. use all these cool technologies, but there's no reason to draw cash anymore. I don't know when last you draw, you draw yeah. cash, but there's unless you yeah. go to a market or something, and you know they might. But every place now, except some kind of scan QR payment, mm. 
Um, and that's kind of taking it a step further now. So yeah, you're very, very close to a coin list, which I think is a good thing. Um, we just need to make sure that those people that are managing these processes um, are also kept in check. Yeah, certainly. I mean, I think there's a move towards away from cash, but we're still on fiat, even though when you hand over your credit card or your tap with your yeah. smartwatch at the point of sale or whatever you do, you're still using fiat currency. Um, and um, remittances is clearly the a huge area that uh, that crypto players like Libra, mm. like others, uh, can can get a real early advantage. Uh, I suppose the question is why would you adopt something like Libra to do your daily shopping? And maybe that's not what Facebook's trying to do. Well, eventually it would, I guess, if you log on to your favorite online shop and it's there, just pay, just check out. Yeah. Um, it needs all that integration. Once the integration is there, then there's no... Yeah. Yeah. And then we can start seeing the integration where Facebook knows where you are, right? So you walk into a shop, walk into your local spa, and they know who you are, and you walk out with mm. your goods. I mean, mm. this, these are just kind of add-ons, so to speak. You just put switch on that plug uh, and have the sensors. And yeah. you know, I'm saying it's easy than what it is, but um, th that is a rea reality that we're going to see. And having all of these things in one under one umbrella makes it a lot. It's going to happen a lot quicker because mm. obviously we'll own the integration. Yeah. So that's I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not sure I'd be using the the Calibra uh, wallet or um, whatever it happens to be uh, developed by Facebook to do my daily shopping because I don't want Mark Zuckerberg to know what I buy what on a buy. daily basis. Oh, you'll, you'll totally sell the advertising based on totally, that. totally. <laughs> do you know you bought uh, this milk uh, last week? You, but if you go up the road to this shop, you can get the milk for fifty cents less. Uh, well, Facebook thing. will be inundated with all this advertising. I suppose it's not a bad thing. Look, if it's if it's used smartly, yeah. I mean, the way again, yeah. Facebook's track record is the thing that's worrying you. It's not like you know, that we know that yeah. these things can be executed. That's the problem in a humane way. Like people can actually say this is for good of humanity, so it keeps prices in check and makes sure that. But somebody's going to pay for that ad to make sure that his ad pops up over yours to make you think it's fifty cent cheaper, maybe. Mm. Yeah. yeah. They can't check every single ad everywhere to make sure. So, mm. yeah, it's good and uh, evil. And I guess yeah. we have it with everything, but this just makes that evil part a little trickier to spot. Mm. Um, Martin says, here in Australia, lots of people use NFC-capable devices at point-of-sale endpoints to tender, hardly see mm. cash. I'm seeing that here and more and more in, in Joburg, actually. Um, I, I, I just tap my card wherever I go. Um, tap to pay. Tap to pay, it's it's super convenient, and I actually think it's more secure, though, despite uh, some mm -hmm. people slamming it's not. I think it's more secure than inserting your um, your uh, card into the terminal, um, especially uh, when you uh, oh, when, yeah. you, when you with a small yeah. amount when you have to put a pin in every time. Whereas if you just tap to pay, uh, you don't have to put a pin in if it's less than a certain amount, depending on the rules set up by your bank. Um, so it's taking off. There is, sorry, just on that, yeah. there is some, I had an interesting quick chat with the petrol attendant the other day because I always ask, do they, you know, can I tap? Yeah, I do. The, 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 problem, the problem with tap to go is you obviously have that limit, like 50 rounds so that you don't have mm. to. And obviously, this is based, this is now, there is still a weak point on the system, but you know, people steal cards and they tap a few times and get the cash. So mm. I don't know if they spin a story to the person, you know, the attendee side. Because there's still the weak point, right? If you allow somebody mm. to tap a card five times, not suspicious at all, um, <laughs> <laughs> you know. But it's possible, I guess. So that's kind yeah. of, I guess, the the security. Yeah. It's like carrying cash, which is why there has to be a limit on it. I mean, mm. there, there has to be a limit. I think it's five hundred rand on on my bank. Um, so Mine's like having... low, like hundred bucks. Anything over hundred bucks or eighty bucks or something. Okay. Up, up in, you know. Yeah. 
the bank should actually let you set it um, yourself in their online banking systems. Um, but it's 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 convenient, and I I like the fact that I don't have to put a pin in. Um, yeah. And I know that if I lose my wallet, if someone steals my wallet, I've lo- I, I potentially lost five hundred rand if they're going to tap that card. But I'm, I'm willing to take that risk. It's you know. Um, Can you switch off your card in your app because? I must actually check now, but I recall seeing in my banking app that I can actually switch it off. My, so can. if my card goes missing, I just switch it off. You're, with Ned, cool. you're, you're probably with Nedbank, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, they've had that functionality for a while. I don't know if F&B does it. I, they might, but I'm not sure. It's something that I think every bank – I mean, it's such a mm. silly thing. Why can you not switch off? So I, mine should be switched off all the time, and only when I know I'm going to go out for tonight, I'll switch it on. Yeah. Um, it's a little bit of admin that I have to do, but it means that any other time – yeah. Nobody can transact on that card mm. anyway. Makes Online sense. transaction or anything. Yeah. I mean, we, we had we, we often have this conversation. Tranwell, the company that developed this technology, right? We wrote mm. a story about them a couple of years ago. Mm. The tech is there and they showed it to us. You know, you can do all of these things. Set all of these things in your card. I don't know. Mm. Um, Martin says some of my friends don't use wallets at all anymore. NFC capable phone does the job. Well, I I, mm. Um, mm. I own an NFC capable Garmin smartwatch, and I, I, I was just starting to use that when. Uh, a few weeks ago, I managed to uh, break my wrist, so um, this isn't exactly um, suitable for putting a Garmin watch over, so I haven't been wearing my watch lately. But as soon as I get this off again in a few weeks' time, I'll be having my watch on again, and then I can just tap my watch wherever I go and uh, make payments, which is very convenient. Yeah, that is actually – yeah, that, that is the future. Once you leave your wallet at home, then there's truly no reason to, mm. to worry about it because your phone is much easier to control. Mm-hmm. Um, and a wallet in many ways. And a wallet, yeah. you know, I was thinking about it the other day. Having this bulky thing in your pocket, it's ridiculous. Mm. I it think is. we should do away with wallets. Let's start a new hashtag. Yeah. But we, we don't have enough NFC uptake in South Africa, so it's going to yeah. be a bit of a tricky, <laughs> tricky one. Um, it's getting there, though. I mean, I'm increasingly, I see NFC-supported POS terminals just about everywhere I go these days. Um, maybe in the really little small merchants, um, they haven't got them yet. But mm. in all the major supermarkets, you can tap to pay now. Even Woolworths does it finally. Yeah, they switched on that capability. And not all stores. I think I saw one store the other day that didn't have it. But oh, yeah, really? Okay. Most, yeah, most handheld terminals have it. Um, mm. Still a few. A lot of the smaller, uh, I think, Chinese-based handsets that I've seen yeah. don't have that at all. But I think that's just also who spends the money on getting a new terminal, right? So a smaller business would be less likely to mm. spend three grand on the new terminal. Yeah, yeah. Pick and Pay, I think, was the most aggressive in rolling out uh, NFC. I seem to recall that they had them first, and then, and then the Spas, and then Checkers and 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 Woolworths were were a bit slow, but they all have them now. I oh, do yeah. they? Yeah. I don't know. Maybe I just don't watch mainstream TV, but I don't see any marketing around that. Or I don't see any yeah. talk about it really. Yeah, it's very, yeah, it's pretty cool. Right, where did I do with my show notes? Uh, what else <laughs> do we need to talk about? Oh, when you talk about Cyril has a dream, let me. Uh, Click that button over there and get Cyril on the screen. Um, Cyril Ramaphosa, our president, um, State of the Nation address delivered last week, um, said that they would be delivering, um, or the the communications minister would be delivering her uh, long-awaited policy direction on spectrum allocation within 30 days of his speech, so it's probably about 26 days now. Um, That was supposed to be delivered before the election, and many other deadlines have been missed already. Uh, so let's see if this one actually gets met. But um, mm. he stand, stood up very publicly in Parliament and said, let's do it. Uh, so I think it's going to happen finally. Um, so that's some good news, um, although we still need to see the content of this policy direction before we celebrate too much. Um, then the other thing that uh, he, in quite a, a tech-focused speech, actually, he said that 
Um, South Africa wanted to build a new smart city, um, which would be linked with bullet trains to other centers around South Africa and would uh, be developed based on the, on the technologies of the fourth industrial revolution. Um, and I think everyone collectively sighed over that and said, well, why do we need a new city in South Africa? How about improving the ones we have right now? And I, I tend, to, tend to agree with that sentiment. Um, if you want to build a, a tech hub, you know, do it in, do it in Joburg. Do it in Cape Town. Um, the private sector has already kind of created these informal tech hubs anyway. And places like Stellenbosch around the university there. Um, and maybe there's an argument that there needs to be some government support for this sort of thing. But, you know, investing, spending tens of billions or more um, building on the government, building a new city uh, somewhere, um, especially given that the government doesn't have any money because of the state of the economy and the inability to collect or raise uh, additional money for the national fiscus. Uh, it all kind of looks like a, a pipe dream. Uh, also, track record with spending and how large sums of money don't get appropriated. Correct, uh, that to me is a worrying thing. Yeah. You know, it's like handing corruption, over yeah, money to kids in a toy store. I think <laughs> that is what we're looking at. Um, we should certainly be looking. Uh, the private sector has done a lot of fantastic things, and I think it's actually it's actually probably better managed by local communities. A lot of the the tech innovation side that we're looking at, yeah. but. We certainly need to be looking at a lot of other bases in South Africa, well, base issues in South Africa with that money if we're going to be spending that much money. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the foundation is still a bit, you know, we need to get a lot of basic stuff right. Uh, Absolutely. I'm talking about across all the sectors, not just technology. Yeah. Um, it's something that, that kind of I was thinking about the other day when I was driving. You know, every morning, every day that I drive, taxis break the law. They go over oh, yeah. the yeah, I, yeah. I don't. I'm, I'm actually on a point where I'm going to buy a dash cam just to kind of entertain myself and, and see how many I can look. But if, I don't think I've ever seen one recently that obeys the law. Now, that type of thing has massive ramifications for people on the road, right? Now, everybody feels yeah. it's made because this guy's breaking the law and I'm agitated because I'm late for my meeting. And those little things have big repercussions. So, sorting out traffic is an important thing. Mm. Then, you know, <laughs> that's Let's where get the basics right. Let's get the uh, basics right. Absolutely. Exactly. Yeah. So, um, I think that takes care of our news this week. Let's, uh, let's move on to our regular features. And um, uh, where are my show notes, there they are. Um, mm-hmm. our, uh, our winner this week is Sweep South. Uh, this is a startup yeah. started by Aisha Pandor, who I think is the daughter of uh, Nadeli Pandor. Um, and uh, her partner, uh, Alan, Alan Ribic, I think I'm pronouncing that correctly. Probably not actually thinking about it. Ribic? Ribic? Not sure. Um, but they started Sweep South together, and it's been a hugely successful um, business. They, uh, if you don't know them, I think most people do, but if you don't know them, they, they provide home cleaning services on the Internet. Mm-hmm. And they've got a team of, of, um, of cleaners who they, who they vet um, and look after. And uh, you, you basically order a cleaner. And uh, they'll send send, send uh, the cleaner to you, and um, that's pretty much it. It's kind of like a home cleaning service, so the Uber of home cleaning Uber service. Uber of home cleaning like. service. Great and idea. Fantastic it, idea. Yeah. And they're, they're our winner this week for attracting a 30 million rand uh, investment from uh, from Nasbash. And uh, they haven't just disclosed the stake or the percentage that they're taking, uh, so we don't have a valuation on Sweep South. Um, but it's a big chunk of money for a 
for an internet startup in South Africa? Let me predict now in 2021, we'll probably have a talk again, pick them again, because I'll be integrating Libra into their payment system. So now <laughs> yeah, everyone will be doing that probably, uh, unless the regulators stop Facebook, which is a distinct possibility. Oh, yeah. Um, and our loser this week is, is multi-choice, um, finally uh, facing competition and unfortunately having to um, le- uh, start to retrench staff. 2000, over 2,000 staff is a, is a big hit in our economy and uh, not, not great for those employees and not great for the, um, for the sector, sector more broadly. But they have said they, they are going to try and reskill as many of those people as possible and, and try and retain them if they can in new roles. Um, while also honouring um, bursary subsidies that they provided to to those employees that are currently uh, are currently studying, um, so not leaving them entirely in the lurch. Um, and uh, yeah, that's our winner and loser of the week. Uh, Rechard, what is your pick this week? As I look for the screenshot, there we go. So Duncan, you know I'm a bit of a well, you may or may not know I'm a bit of a Mario Brothers fan. I didn't know that. No, <laughs> it's, it's, I've got some paraphernalia around my office at the back there. You may see a mushroom or two. There's a cube. I didn't know you played uh, anything other than PUBG. <laughs> well, there's, there's a close relation to what I'm about to talk to you okay. about and PUBG. Okay, but yeah, you know, Mario Brothers is just an all-time classic, legendary game, and I kind of it was the first game that I saw that made me go wow for computer games. But mm-hmm. I digress. My pick today. <laughs> is a really interesting take on Mario Brothers. Um, and I'm also just trying to find the link because it's not a very straight up link to, we'll put it in the show notes. Absolutely. Um, it's called Mario Real. <laughs> and it essentially pits you against 100 other people to play the game. Now, it, it's a bit interesting. So Battle Royale, the, the, the game genre, it's essentially you, you 100 people start a game and yeah. one person wins. So you kill one or two people, everybody kills one or two people, and then a few battle it out at the end. So it's PUBG and 8-bit in other words. Yeah, but it's not quite PUBG. You don't shoot anything. You just need to complete the game. You you can see okay. the, the ghost images of all the other players around you, yeah. but the battle is to finish the game first. Um, and you can skip. I mean, obviously, you don't all start at the, 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 the way that the levels start is slightly different. So you, various games start at different levels. Mm-hmm. But your objective is still to finish the game first. Um, obviously, it's very easy to die because if somebody bounces a block in your way or if there's a turtle or something, you, you can run through each other because it's still a platformer. Okay. Um, but it's, it's a lot of fun. As if, you, if you enjoy the Mario Brothers style game, um, it puts a new spin on it. 70 to 100 other people play along with you and you need to finish it. I didn't get far. I managed two or three levels, um, but I will be playing this again, that's for sure. It's in the games. browser, which is great. Yeah, well, it's browser, browser, browser based. Anyway, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's free. And absolutely free. Absolutely. Um, I see some of the, so it doesn't, I mean, some of the icons have changed. There's obviously been some copyright stuff. So that it's, it looks like Mario Brothers, but the icons are all, the, the little men don't look like, all look like Mario. Okay. <laughs> but it's, it's, a, it's a lot of fun and well worth checking out. It's very mm-hmm. interesting. Nice to see a new spin on an old game. Yeah. So um, I, I just discovered this app this week. Uh, I don't know, it just popped up in my Android Play Store recommendations. It's called Time Coach with a Y. Uh, and it's from the new digital bank, Time Bank, uh, which Patrice Motsepe is behind. And um, I was looking at the screenshots, just messing around on my phone. I thought, oh, this looks interesting. Gives me a, it'll give you a credit score. And I think there are other apps that do this um, or websites where you could pay to get this information. Um, but I decided to install it and check, out, check it out. So I installed it. It asked you to put in your ID number, asked you a couple of security questions once you've done that to, to prove it's you. Um, and then it gives you a credit score and compares that to the credit score of, um, or the credit worthiness or credit rating of other people in your city or your province and also countrywide. 
um, which is really interesting. I've I've never even looked at my credit score before, so I was I was very pleased to see my credit score is the maximum possible of seven hundred and thirty points. Um, I'm not quite sure how I achieved that. Uh, I, I guess I've I've never defaulted on a payment, um, and I uh, was a bit shocked to see that the average South African was uh, scoring poorly in the red column. Um, but fun app. Um, I'm sure there are others that do it out there, but it's the first time I've uh, I've tried one like this. It's called Time Coach T Y M E C O A C H, and it's available for Android and iOS. Very cool. If I can if I can add a sub point to yours there too, sure. something to for every South African should be doing. I don't know how comprehensive this is. That's what I'm saying. Uh, you can go to TransUnion.co.za too, and you, I think every year you get a free one. You can put a credit record, but it's it's very detailed. Mm. Okay. Um, and I do it every two years or so just to check that there's nothing that I'm not aware of. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and it's fantastic. So that kind of thing I think you should be doing regularly in any case just to make sure that stuff yeah. is up uh, above board. Yeah. yeah, or just use this app. <laughs> or just use the app, yeah. And if there's a problem, then then maybe go that route. Go go deeper, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Great. I think that's our show. Shall we do the quiz results? Yes. How many people may lose their jobs at multi-choice? The pay TV operator, the pay TV operator said this week, and the answer is 2,194. And which South African-owned technology company has invested $10 million to become a founding member of Facebook's Libra? And that's Naspash subsidiary PayU. And the third question, EOH this week appointed three new non-execs to its board. Name one of them. And the answers we have accept is Andrew Mtembu, Anushka Bogodov, and Mike Bosman. Good luck with those names, Rahat. <laughs> Especially that middle one. I've said that before, yeah, before. <laughs> I think it's Anushka Bog- Bogdanov. Must Bogdanov. be Russian. Sounds Russian. Sounds Russian. Yeah. Uh, and uh, Naspash Foundry has acquired a stake in which South African tech startup for $30 million, and that's, of course, Sweep South. And the final question, Vodacom has sold its Vodacom business operation in Nigeria, Zambia, and the Ivory Coast to which company? And the answer is Ndila Ngaba's Synergy Communications or Syncom. And that's our show this week. Uh, thanks to everyone for joining us on the YouTube live stream today. Uh, search for Tech Central in YouTube. In fact, just go to youtube.com slash techcentral and you'll find us there. And uh, hit that subscribe button and uh, join us on Sundays at 1 p.m. We look forward to jo- you joining us in the chat room. We uh, we uh, also have a WhatsApp line. That's 71 if you refer to WhatsApp us. That's and for any personal messages, you can get hold of Duncan at 08. <laughs> <laughs> 071-999-1111. If you do want to get hold of me, you can uh, hit me up on Twitter, which is at, at McLeod D, and Rechart is at Rechart, which is a, a DT on the end of his uh, of his name. You uh, you must have been on Twitter pretty early to get the, get your name, right? Early adopter, yeah, I think mm-hmm. so. Very I wanted at Duncan, but it was gone when I when I signed up, and that was in early 2007, I think. Um, yeah, that's, that's always the problem with new technologies. If you're not there first, you lose your right to that cool yes, name, right? That cool name, yeah. The name, yeah. Yeah, and I've kind of put McLeod D on everything now because uh, mm-hmm. because uh, no one no one tends to use it. <laughs> um, although I did manage to grab the McLeod.co.za um, domain, although I, think oh, I cool. might have let it expire expire recently. And uh, let your cool the names expire, Duncan. <laughs> like Bitcoin, one day they'll be valuable. Mm. Yeah, indeed. Uh, speaking of valuable, if uh, if you um, if you want to find an easy access to all of our podcasts on Tech Central, you can just type podcasts.africa into your, your web browser to to connect to that. And if you're that way inclined, you can also type techcentral. Sorry, technology.africa, and you'll be redirected to the Tech Central homepage. Um, big so names, Duncan. Big still names. Still trying to figure out what to do with that technology.africa domain, but. Uh, 
I will come up with an idea soon enough, I'm sure. Or sell it for two or three million. I don't know, whichever comes first, right? Mm. Any offers? Uh, I'd, I'd probably I'd probably consider two or three million. Call uh, it business development fund. Dollars? Ooh, you mean rand? Yeah. <laughs> Maybe a hundred thousand dollars would be a sufficient. Mm. Maybe a couple of Bitcoin. <laughs> oh, yeah. Now we're talking. Mm. <laughs> well, that's our show. As always, join us here at 1 p.m. on Sundays. Thanks for listening from Rechadamasov. Take care and cheers. Ciao, ciao.